Hi, welcome to Your Cron, short for Your Chronicles. I'm your host, Scott Pitney. Your Cron is a podcast where we chronicle ordinary people and their extraordinary stories. We refer to ordinary people on this show as people who are non-celebrities. Our goal is simple, entertain our audience and perhaps even inspire and educate. At the same time, our guests build a part of their legacy through this unique audio opportunity. So let's get right to our next extraordinary story. My next guest on your cron is Dylan Sims. Dylan is an empath, meaning he has experienced his life in the lives of others simultaneously. As a result, Dylan has a unique perspective of the human condition, past, present, and future. Dylan, welcome to your crime. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, where is a good place to start your extraordinary story? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's been a crazy ride my whole life, you know. The weird thing I think about is when you get older and you start to reflect back on your life and you kind of see how things have been connected together, you start even remembering things that happened to you when you were just a little, little kid, you know. Uh, I've been a uh, licensed hypnotherapist for the last year or so, and, uh, you know, you spend a lot of time reflecting about past uh, life experiences and stuff, and it's brought up a lot of things for me that I had forgotten even, you know, and... And then I've been trying to write a book this last year, so uh, re-experiencing a lot of the things by redescribing and by going back and revisiting them has really brought up a whole lot of, of things that I hadn't thought about. So, I mean, I think the story is, is my whole life, really, you know, from one end to the other. But, you know, it, it's like a, a lot of different levels or chapters, you know. It's just a matter of where you want to dive in. Yeah. Tell me about the process of uh, writing the book. When did you start it? You said last year? Yeah, I've been writing it for about a year off and on, you know, uh, something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, but I think in the last few years, I've started to run into a lot more impasse. And just all of a sudden, for no, you know, my whole life, I felt like I was by myself. And then just in the last five years or so, I've started to run into a whole lot of impasse. And I don't know whether that's something that's generational, whether that's something that's tied into future events or things that may be happening, that there's a reason for impasse to be coming into the world right now. But I seem to be one of the older ones. So uh, I feel like writing the book is kind of like a how-to guide for the younger ones that are coming on. So maybe they're uh, shortcut their path a little bit. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that do not know, can you maybe start with the basics here and tell us the definition of an empath? What does that mean? Well, empaths deal a lot with energy. And it's like when somebody has an emotion, uh, there's a lot of energy involved. As you might imagine, if somebody's really angry, you can sense that energy. You don't even have to be an empath. Empaths, on the other hand, they sense that energy all the way into the other person. Uh, you can follow that into the person and, and sense the true being, the true nature of someone, you know. Uh, we generally know when someone's lying to us. Uh, you might think, well, then how do you ever get yourself in situations with people, you know? And it's because I think 
having empathy for people in general because you are you're experiencing their life your whole life so you become you have a kinship with people that you don't even know so then you want the best out of them and even though your empathy is sitting there and telling you that this is a bad decision with this person that empathetic side of yourself is saying oh yeah but let's cut them a break maybe they'll change this time or you know maybe they're on the cusp of something new you know so it's kind of a two-edged sword so is the word empath is it is it derived from the word empathy yes yeah definitely Mm -hmm. and it's it's a matter of we feel other people's feelings literally we feel their emotions, we feel, we sense things about people that maybe they don't even sense themselves. Mm-hmm. And it makes us in a position to be healers, therapists, you know, counselors, things like that. A lot of us are, you know, because, uh, because of that kinship, our ability to actually feel what someone else is feeling allows us to have a perspective that other people don't have. Mm-hmm. When did you discover you had this ability? Um, I think I've always had it and used it, but I think when I really became aware of it, I was about maybe 10 or 11 years old. Um, my sister had had a surgery and uh, she had scoliosis, had a big cast on, went through like an eight-hour surgery and we went to see her in the hospital. She was about 10 and I was about 12 maybe, maybe a little younger than that. And I went in and she was just depleted, couldn't couldn't move in the hospital bed, couldn't do anything. She was completely drained of energy and and we a close family at the time and, and I held her hand. I sat by the bed while the adults stood around and talked and stuff. I went over beside the bed, sat in the chair, and I held her hand. Within about thirty minutes to an hour, I started to feel like completely drained, like I had no energy. I had to lay my head on the bed even. My sister, on the other hand, had started to perk up, had asked to be set up in the bed a little bit, had smiled, was talking, and I started to realize right then that the energy transference that had happened, you know, that I had been giving her what she needed to, to refill, you know, and she had been taking it from me, and that push and pull of energy really became aware to me in that moment, you know. And I think from then on, I really started experimenting with it, you know, but we're talking about 1970-72, so it wasn't even a blip of a thought in most people's minds that empathy or an empath or something like this. There was, there was no internet, nowhere to go read about it, you know, nowhere to find material about it. The library didn't have books on it, you know, so this was a... For the early empaths, I think at least, and it's the generation I come from, it was a lot of bruises and banging your head on things to figure out what was going on. And when you would try to talk to adults about it, they had no empathy. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had no clue what you were talking about, and, and they didn't want to hear it. You know, so it made it, it made it a very uh, lonely pursuit. And most empaths my age, I think you talk to, will tell you that. Same thing. It's like we've all had almost identical lives. You know, uh, relationships are hard. I mean, imagine in your relationship, if every time your significant other said something to you and they were hedging the truth, you knew that they were lying. 
Mm. Then you have to decide to yourself, do I challenge them because I know that they're lying or do I simply accept this flaw and then go on with my life because that's the cost of being in a relationship as an empath. Wow. So, yeah. Now, I um, kind of compare this, and you and I are close to the same age. I'm 55. And so <clears throat> I had what I now know is a panic attack in my mid-20s. But at the time, I'd never even heard that term. But now that that's a pretty well-known term, and I've heard other people describe panic attacks, I'm like, oh, well, I wish I'd have known that at the time because not knowing what it is caused me to panic even more. It was just a very strange thing. Fortunately, it was short-lived. I've had a few of them over a couple of years and uh, haven't had them since. Um, so that leaves me in my question. When you had this first experience with your sister, you were 11, and you mentioned trying to describe your experience with others, and uh, you know they didn't have empathy, as you said. Uh, but did you have a sense of, of fear or just like, to your, do you remember as a, as a kid that age just going, what in the hell is going on? Or did you just well, kind of... I think the weird thing, I was talking to somebody today about this, and the weird thing about being an empath is you not only experience your life, <clears throat> you, you witness your life at the same time. It's like the closest thing I could describe it is like an out-of-body experience. It's like you are doing things, mm -hmm. but you are watching yourself do things at the same time and analyzing it. And so you're feeling other people's reactions to you. You're feeling your reactions to other people. And it's almost like you don't get to have your own life. Uh, if that makes any sense at all. You know, you, you're experiencing so many things at the same time and other people's emotions, other people's reactions. You, it's hard to disseminate, especially when you're younger, which ones are yours and which ones aren't. So in the amount of fear, no fear, because it was just who I was, but uh, strangeness, difference, knowing that I was different than everybody else and what does that make me then? Trying to understand who I was, you know, uh, all of that was craziness, you know. And did you talk about this experience with your sister? Did you? Did she ask any questions about, you know, well, I feel better. I don't know why. And I mean, did you all have any discussions about it? Over years of, of you know, being a family and talking about things, yeah, there were, there were many times that we reflected on that. And, and it, was a, it was something for both of us. You know, it was something that she uh, realized and felt, you know, and something that we shared definitely, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really strange as an empath, you're always given off this kind of sympathetic, I call it chameleon energy, you know. Uh, you can be within a room of completely strangers and you'll blend in and, and they'll feel at home with you because you can read their energies and you kind of give off an energy that is similar to it so that you're accepted. <laughs> so then you blend in really easily so it makes it easy for you to experience a lot of different lifestyles a lot of different people a lot of different things I mean I at this point in my life I'm 55 too it, it has been the most wonderful thing that anybody could have ever had you know I mean I think I've lived like 20 30 lives in my one life you know uh, it's just been amazing you know it's hard to even describe really yeah <laughs> 
what <clears throat> in the bio in the opening bio um I want to go back to that and ask what does it mean to have a unique perspective of the human condition, past, present, and future? Um, well, by being a blended person, by feeling everybody's emotions at the same time as well as your own, it gives you not, not only one side of the story but both sides of the story. And I think the reason the term empathy has come to describe people like me is, is because who we are makes us have empathy. Because you can't walk in someone else's shoes and not feel some of what they're feeling. As an empath, you walk in everyone's shoes every day. Even people that are removed that I'm familiar with, I feel them sometimes. And I will call them in the middle of the night and say, hey, I was getting the John vibe, you know, I uh, felt like I needed to call them. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, my kid was in a car wreck tonight. I really messed up. Or, you know, and there's always that contact with people once that you've been, like, melded with them in some way by, by being friends and stuff. But so my perspective is not just my perspective. It's your perspective. It's somebody else's perspective. And it, I believe it's given me a super rounded view uh, of the world in general and I don't ever look at things like Republican or Democrat or good and bad I don't even believe in good and bad I think everything is subjective I think everything is perspective I think uh, everything is just what it is you know but I also see into the hearts of man so when I look at the future I have a really good idea of where we're headed you know and I think that's one of the reasons I'm writing the book I think that's one of the reasons I'm becoming more involved at this point in my life. Yeah, I'm working with a lot of people to try and create networks for a lot of us to gather together because I believe in manifestation on a mass scale. You know, So I think as far as the future of you goes, there's a lot of us of a similar mind right now that are trying to come together to make changes in the world so that, that the whole outlook of how we think about life can change. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Can you share any of that future with us? Or, or should we wait to, for the book? <laughs> well, I don't think the book is even going to scratch the surface on the future stuff. But, you know, right now we've gone through the social media revolution. And it's been an amazing thing in putting information out there and bringing people together and, and all of that. But it's also removed... It's created a faceless universe where people can say anything to anyone else and never have to look them in the eye. It's taken away our, our social aptitude because we don't have to deal one-on-one -on -one in person anymore. And it's created a competitive nature and some really ugly things as well as the positive things that have come out of it. And I think uh, most people will agree that we have to take that tool and we have to change the emphasis of how and why it's being used and bring us all back together in a more compassionate, more, uh, you know, individually and group fulfilling role, you know. And uh, I think that's what the future is about for, for a vast number of us right now. It's not turning our back on, you know, the social media formats and stuff, but turning them around you know, just like one of them was just made accountable this last year for how they use data and stuff, you know. 
uh, that's an action that's going to make things better in some ways, you know. Uh, it makes people more accountable. The more accountable you are, uh, the better your actions generally are going to be, you know. Uh, so I think maybe, hopefully, we're moving into a future where we're going to get past the, the instant gratification this is all created and we're going to start using these new relationships to, to form a better world again. So if you could metaphorically wave a magic wand and go instantly to that point where we could utilize social media but also have that interaction and people engage and so forth, what does that world look like to you? Mm, I think it's hard to describe really, you know, you're talking about the globalization of a local community. <laughs> right. You know? And right. that's that's we all have a common goal, a common ideal and a common thought about life, you know, and a less separation. Mm. Uh, you know, all of the special interest, in my opinion, has got to go. Because special interest is leading to segregation and, and battles that only have boundary lines drawn in and they don't really have any premise or reason, you know. Um, it just doesn't work, you know. I mean, things are going to collapse and they're going to get better or things are going to get better one or the other and I think we really have the, the choice here and I think a lot of us are trying to make that happen so I guess when I look towards that if, it, if the ultimate you know uh, zenith was to come about you know basically uh, okay I'll put it to you like this it's really simple uh, someone asked me one time what the difference between heaven and hell was and I told him it's like this in um, hell Everyone, like on earth, is at a different level. And we're all clawing, trying to get each, over each other to get to the next level. And a lot of times we get to the next level and we look back down and we taunt at the guy below us and say, hey, we made it to the next level. In heaven, on the other hand, there are levels and everyone's at a different level. But instead of looking down at the person below you, everyone's reaching down to the next level to help the next person up. And in that way, they're creating a better world. So I think in my perfect world, that's what's happening. We're using social media to reach out to help, you know, come communities that have strife, that have, uh, you know, uh, pandemics, that have, you know, uh, geological types of, of problems, earthquakes, and things like that. But we're using all of that to, to reach out and become a, a local community globally and, and help everyone. Yeah. Uh, being an empath and, and understanding somebody to the level that you do, I mean, beyond just normal empathy that, that uh, people sometimes have, sometimes don't, um, to the degree that you do, Dylan, do you um, find it difficult to argue with somebody, to engage in any kind of combative type? That be, because you understand them so fully? At 55 and having done this for a long time, yeah, arguing is not something that I engage in. Yeah. You know, I, I believe what I believe. I trust my instincts now more than I trust my logic. You know, that was a big battle for a lot of years, you know, second guessing my intuition. That always screwed me in the end, you know, so 
I've learned to trust the intuition much more than the intelligence, you know? And uh, I think at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty convinced when I'm in a situation like that of what the truth is, if you don't want to face it or deal with it or talk to me about it and we can work it out between us with the truth on the table, then I really don't have anything to say to you. And so there's no reason for me to argue with you. Yeah. And I also have a philosophy that if you argue with somebody, you give power uh, to their argument. Mm. And uh, if I don't believe it's a, if I believe it's an erroneous argument, then why should I give power to it by you know engaging it? You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I tell my wife this. I say, you know, if you're arguing with somebody and and they say fuck you to to me, then they really did. I won the argument because they ran out of things to say. <laughs> exactly. But <clears throat> as impasse, we have a saying, everything that someone says bad to you, about you, is actually something they're feeling about their self inside. Mm. So whenever anyone is really in your face with the whole fuck you kind of situation, that's the perfect time to have empathy and to have pity for that person because you have to understand where they're coming from. It's a very dark, painful, hurtful place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you met others with the same gift that you have? I have I've met a lot of empaths in the last couple of years especially. Most of them, like I said, are pretty young empaths, not in age necessarily, but in what they understand about what their gift is. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who are empaths, you have to understand that if your parents fought, you felt it. If there was strife in your household, you felt it. If you were picked on at school, you super felt it. So most empaths are in their bedroom right now, hiding, playing on the computer, watching TV. They don't interact with their family. They don't have boyfriends and girlfriends. They don't, they don't excel. You know, I'm one of the rare cases who gained an understanding of what was going on early and actually intellectualized my way through it. And, and manage somehow to claw my way to the other end of it. That's, that's what the book is about. It's helping people get out of the bedroom, helping them to stop suffering and to start realizing that there's power in it. You know? Well, hopefully they can pick up this podcast somewhere as well. That's right. That's right. Every little bit of information we can get out there is great. And I've really enjoyed your other podcast. Oh, thank you very much. So this transition from, from logic to... to um, I believe the word you used was intuition. Uh, and you first noticed being an empath at age 11. When did that start occurring about, do you remember what age, uh, how far? Eighth grade. Oh, so fairly soon. Eighth grade. I was sitting in eighth grade and the teacher stepped out of the room to do something. And when they did, some of the cool kids in class immediately started like chomping up big wads of, of paper in their mouth and they were going to splat them on the chalkboard and everybody was it. And in that situation, it's kind of a Lord of the Flies situation. There's no, no rule and the kids are at rule, you know? Mm. And you, I just sat there in the corner of the room and, and it, all of a sudden I realized that I could sense what everyone was feeling. Here's this girl over here in the corner and she's like, oh my gosh, that's so gross. And she was appalled. Here's somebody else over here and they were gleeful, you know? I mean, I could literally could tell the difference between all of these kids. And I realized that not only was I different, but that I would never be the same as them and, and understand where they were coming from in the same way. You know what I mean? Uh, I could see who they were 
and I could tell who I was, but I knew I was never going to be part of that. Mm. You know, not in that way. Yeah. Not in a carefree, blissful ignorance way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, we're talking mid-70s, and when did you, do you recall when you first discovered the, the word empath or when you could sort of put a, a word or a definition to what, to what you had and, and what that was like? The word empath didn't come to me till the last five years. Last five years, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think the internet really is the cause for that. You know, uh, the more people talked about things, the more they need to label them and, and put something on it to where they can categorize it. And I think that's come about from the internet mm-hmm. and more people bringing a similar idea up and it's become from a microculture into something that's bigger as more people have come together. And so you need to have a way to label it and describe it and stuff. And I think that's really recent. Yeah, mm, interesting. Hey everybody, Scott here to take another 60 seconds to talk about a sponsor. I'm very excited to have the Yurkron Suburban Buzz. Suburban Buzz takes the sting out of your marketing costs. Suburban Buzz can take care of your web development, social media, digital marketing, and general advertising, all available from Suburban Buzz. Visit Suburban Buzz at SuburbanBuzz.com. Now the owner, Holly Shavisnik, didn't ask me to read this part. I've used Holly's great service for many years. If you're a small business owner like me or just need to advertise, you need the reliable, quick service that you can count on from Holly and the Suburban Buzz team. So check them out at SuburbanBuzz.com. That is SuburbanBuzz.com. And you, you sort of gave it an example. I don't know if it was tongue in cheek or not, but calling one of your friends and saying, "Hey, I felt something," and they said, "Oh yeah, somebody was uh, in a car wreck." And um, what? So you obviously have people that are close to you that know you. You have this that you're an empath. Um, does that happen a lot? Are, are, are there or are there some standout stories that you can tell us uh, that your empath helped? I'm sure there's many different uh, stories and examples of how your empath has helped other people. But are there some standout stories that come to mind? Mm, I don't know. I think the big thing that was crazy for me, in a, in a way, as far as interactions with other people, is I've had a lot of door knockers. Uh, I'm sitting at my house at midnight watching TV and all of a sudden the front door gets knocked on and it's somebody I either know a little bit or was introduced to recently or maybe somebody I know fairly well I never know who it's going to be but they're just like I don't really know why I'm here I know we don't know each other that well or whatever but I just felt I got to talk to this with somebody and something told me I needed to talk to you I, I have had that happen so many times, it's not even funny. And if you talk to other empaths, you will find that same thing. And I don't know if it's because we have that sympathetic energy, that chameleon energy that we push off 
that just people feel like we understand them, so they want to bear their soul to somebody understanding, or whether they feel the empathy that we actually care and they feel like they're, we're somebody who might be able to help them, or, or whether there's some other strange cosmic draw. I have no clue, you know, but it happens over and over and over again. So the story I think that stands out is, is that I don't seek out any of the interactions that happen in my life. They all just happen to yeah the first time that happened or I guess even when it happens now do you how do you handle it do you just invite them in or how do you handle that yeah I at this point especially and I think always I've just known it was what I do it's my job mm. it's it's my place my purpose my my responsibility mm -hmm. you know uh have you ever ran into somebody just for a few minutes and they said something that stuck with you for 20 years? Yes. Yeah. I have a tattoo on my legs from a song that I wrote and it says there's far less coincidence than what we believe and when I think about you in my life, the puzzle fits perfectly. I don't really believe in coincidence. So if I was to turn someone away who knocked at my door, I'd be kind of spitting in the face of fate or, or my purpose, you know. Mm -hmm. I let life happen to me. I don't really plan it so much as I just interact with it. And i got to tell you, I've had an amazing life. I mean, truly amazing life. Yeah, because you've lived the lives of others essentially is how I paraphrase that, how I would paraphrase yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I've lived the lives of others. I can go to a party that I don't know a single soul and just have the time of my life and stand in a corner, you know, never, never leave the corner, just sit there with a drink and just watch people and just feel what they're feeling and just have the time of my life. Really? I love to go to amusement parks. There's nothing better than people on vacation in an amusement park with their kids. Yeah. There's no more a loving, happy environment in the whole world than an amusement park. And I go to them all over the country. <laughs> I've been to Universal twice the last year. Really? <laughs> and so, it, for example, the, if you're standing at a party, just having a drink and kind of, uh, you know, observing and so forth, if somebody comes up to you and talks to you, is that sort of an interruption to what you really want to be doing? It certainly can be, mm -hmm. you know, it certainly can be, but, you know, uh, it's kind of a multitasking kind of thing. I don't think it stops what was going on as much as it just centralizes me on that one person a little more for a few minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still aware of everything else that's going on, you know, and the vibe, the overall feeling, you know what I mean? Sure. And, and people have great stories, you know what I mean? I love talking to people. You know, you should know that. Absolutely. <laughs> you, that's, you know, people have great stories. That's what inspired me to do this uh, podcast. I just, I love people's stories. I'm, I'm yeah. the same way in that aspect. Um, you mentioned a book and uh, talked a little bit about the writing process. The book have a working title yet? Uh, so you think you're an empath. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And... Um, is, is everything that you're writing, Dylan, is it coming to you? Do you have any notes, uh, pictures, anything that inspires your writing? I, you know, 
I've been creative my whole life. I write poetry, I write short stories, I write music. I, I was a tattoo artist for 20 years, you know. I mean, I've done a lot of things. And I think the book is kind of a little bit of a story of my life, a little autobiography. And at the same time, I'm plugging that in to where the empath part of that fit into that and trying to make it understandable. Because like I said, most of us empaths have been very similar life and I think as an empath reads that book they're going to go oh wow yeah I remember that <laughs> you know <laughs> even though it's my life they're reading about you know they're going to be able to identify and then because of that identity I think anything that that I've got to offer that's beyond where they're at now is really going to help them move forward you know mm-hmm. and I I say in the book many many times that I really 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 hope people will contact me uh, I have a Facebook that, that deals with the empath stuff. It's it's got a new empath discovery group uh, on Facebook. I have my hypnosis site on there, but I blog every day on all of those. And I'm really hoping to the book will help start the conversation that will bring so much more of us together because we're all learning. You know, I'm not the grandmaster here. You know, I'm learning just like everybody else is. Yeah. What uh, is the Facebook page, or how do people get a hold of you and communicate with you? Uh, if you just do a search on there for New Empath Discovery Group, you'll find that one. Uh, it's just in the group section, and it's open. Anybody in the group can allow you in. It's completely public, open forum. Uh, anybody is allowed in. It's not private at all. Uh, totally am open to every conversation. I'm not offended by anything. Um, the hypnosis one, uh, facebook.com hypno helping backslash hypno helping. That'll get you to there. Um, and then, uh, peace of mind hypnosis.org is my website. And I blog on all of those, try to do some video, try to get the conversation going to where we can all, you know, share in this. Yeah. And we'll put it on your prom.com too. And, uh, we'll, we'll hashtag empath. And uh, my marketing master, yeah. Holly, will take care of that. And so uh, cool. we'll, we'll do everything we can to, to get the word out for people that have an interest. Um, talk about the hypnosis a second. We've talked about empath a lot. Uh, how do they tie together? Well, <clears throat> I've always been able to look inside someone and sense things about them that maybe even they couldn't sense. But I can't just then turn around and intellectualize it and explain it to them and they go, oh, I never knew that about myself, you know? (laughs) Hypnosis, on the other hand, allows me to take them into their own subconscious where they already know these things about themselves and help them rediscover who they are sometimes or discover more fully who they are. Um, The hypnosis thing has been just life-altering for me. it's a little strange, really. Um, there's there's some things that have happened that have really knocked me off my center. Um, you know, I grew up fundamental uh, right-wing religious type, you know. I've moved on, you know, in my thinking and opened it up a lot, you know. I don't really have an affiliation with any particular denomination these days, but a really spiritual person. But when I was doing... Uh, age regression with somebody one day and I wanted them to go back to a time when they felt really good and all that stuff and I said go back to a time before you had any of the pain, before you had any of the problems 
they went into the spirit world before they were born, what's called a life between lives or a soul state. And uh, I didn't really know what to do with it. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's like, this is before you're being born, you know? And, and they found out so much about their purpose and what life was going to be for them, <clears throat> what their purpose in this life was going to be, who might have been coming with them to help them and all this stuff. It put me on a, a reading tangent, and I really studied and stuff on this for a lot, and I've read a lot about past lives, I've read a lot about life between lives and all that, but my experience with my clients has been that uh, we were a soul before we entered our bodies here, and we all come with purpose, and uh, I no longer fear death. I no longer have any qualms about good or bad because I realize everything is just about experience and about all of us learning, you know, to help each other. You know, serving of each other is really what we're supposed to be moving towards as a race. And I don't see a lot of that going on in the world right now. Maybe that's why there's so many impasses that are coming into the world that have changed that. But um, the hypnosis has really blown my mind and what people have shared with me of their own lives and their own experience, you know, and, and, and then plugging that into being an empath and what I know about people already, you know, uh, it's kind of like peeling the fabric back from uh, reality and, and looking, you know, where the wizard's at, you know, uh, <clears throat> and it's 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 been uh, it's been a crazy last couple of years, you know. Yeah, that's uh, the last couple of years. That's how long you've you've been into the hypnosis part the of it. Part of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. What does the afterlife look like to you right now? Do you think much about it? <laughs> well, you know, it lines up so perfectly with who I am. Uh, Everyone that I've, I've talked to that has gone to that kind of state, all the research about cases like that that I've read about, they talk about being energy beings. And I'm an energy being. Everything that I sense is about energy, you know? And so it's very easy for me to make that transition in my mind to think, yeah, this probably is all about energy. And you know, the craziest thing about it is, as I read a couple of astrophysics books this last year, and they talk about energy and they talk about, you know, the dawn of the generation and, the, and the, you know, the Big Bang and how everything is related carbon-wise and all this stuff, you know, big-time big astrophysics science stuff. But when you start taking that and plugging that in with the soul state stuff that I'm dealing with in hypnosis and you realize that everything is energy, everything in the physical world is energy, everything in the spiritual world is energy. So, and, and as an empath, and my whole life is based on the readability and the transference of energy, you know what I mean? So it's very easy for me to make that leap and say, yeah, I will be an energy being after I leave this, this body. And uh, some of the craziest stuff that I've read is like uh, that our whole soul, our whole being, our whole spiritual self doesn't even come and inhabit this body. If it did, it just burn it up because we're such a powerful being, being in the energy world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've just scratched the surface of so much of that kind of thinking, you know, but as an empath, everything for me is based on emotional energy and energy, you know, from my discoveries as a hypnotist, there's so much of, of life and pre-life, you know, that is, is an energy state. When you study science, you start to find out that everything's based on energy, you know, and electromagnetic fields and 
and all of these kinds of things. And, and you start to see where that line comes in across things and makes everything one thought again, you know? It's not about a religion. It's not about, a, you know, an ideal. It's just what is in the physical world, the spiritual world, everything. It's all just that energy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's difficult for a lot of people to get their heads around things that they can't see and touch and taste and hear and feel. And, and, and I, I say that, you know, uh, when I talk about it, if you've ever been out on a sunny day, you can't see the sun rays necessarily, but you can sure feel the energy. Uh, you can't see the wind, but you can sure feel it, you know. Uh, if you start to expand from that simple idea and you start to sense the people in your life, you start to sense the powers that are around you, all the different electromagnetic fields, you start to really tune in past just sun, wind, rain, you know, uh, you're going to open your mind up and you're going to start to realize the kinship you have with everything in the world. Yeah. Have you been hypnotized? I have. Uh, it's really difficult, I think, for empaths to be hypnotized. Okay. Because, like I said, we have that experiential self, and then we have that witness self. So you may be able to hypnotize one of us, but you never get us both on your What was that experience like for you, Dylan, being hypnotized? It, it's an emotional thing. It's a very emotional thing for most people. Um... You know, I was concentrating on trying to, the, the, the criteria the day we were doing it in class was to concentrate on a good memory and to go back and to feel that good feeling and to revivify it, re refeel it and really bring it into yourself and then come out of hypnosis still having that great, wonderful feeling. So uh, it took me back to a time when I was just a little kid and I was in the library, had my arms full of books. I even had a picture of it because a woman took a picture of me that day and put it in the newspaper. My mom had it on the counter when I was a kid, you know. And it was a, it was a, a very much an ideal, a poster child of who I was at that time, you know. And I loved that little boy, you know. Mm. And it was quite emotional for me, having lived through everything I've lived to go back and, and be that little boy again. Yeah. Hmm. If, if one w wanted to know more about um, being an empath or just the subject in general or hypnosis, but besides your Facebook uh, page and, and your group, what are some other sources that you'd recommend? You, you mentioned the internet. Is that just the best way to, to go to find more information? Is it's just on the internet? I, or are there I any really books or anything? Yeah. Today, if you go out there and you type in empath, what is it to be an empath? You're going to be led to a lot of Facebook pages, a lot of YouTube blogs, a lot of books. I think, and I, and I can't say for sure, but the Officer Troy from Star Trek, uh, she's an empath, and she's written some books like the Empaths for Dummies kind of books and stuff. Okay. Really super insightful stuff. Uh, I, names aren't coming to me right off the top of my head, but there's two or three people out there who are really, really doing good work, putting a lot of good information out there right now. So 
for sure there's information out there if you want to see it. So the opposite of that, is there any resources that you would say stay away from that uh, is not good information? Um, I don't know. I think you'll find that right off the bat, a lot of it is like super, super basic. And I don't think you're going to get much out of it. You know, it says the same things over again. Empaths do this. Empaths do that. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're living it and you are one, you already know that. So try to go for the, the big books, you know, the stuff that really ties in. But, you know, I, I always say read some astrophysics, you know. That really freed my mind up because it, it almost gave me a world, a universe of relatives, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other advice that you have, Dylan, for others that have um, empathic abilities? Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about introverted empaths, and that's because that constant emotional barrage on them just drives them into seclusion. I want to say that there's there's a whole other world of empowerment that goes along with that and you need to move beyond where you're at. You need to come out of the bedroom and you need to realize you have a gift and you need to start practicing it and honing it. Sure, you're going to bang your head on some stuff, but that's living and you're going to find out in the process that there's an amazing world out there that you have a leg up in, that you have a lot of power in and, uh, you know, but you'll be responsible with that power, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Dylan, this has been a fascinating conversation. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking time to be on your cron. And, um, of course I like to always end with a, a version of this question. And, uh, it is if a hundred years from now, future generations are listening to this recording what do you want them to remember about you, about your experience? What would you like to pass along to future generations? I think maybe that that I really cared, you know, that this was somebody who wasn't full of shit, who actually believed what they believed, wasn't trying to necessarily make a buck off of it was trying to serve his fellow man and, and live a life that that he felt like he was destined to live. Uh, even with the bumps and bruises that it caused along the way, it was what I was supposed to do. And I hope that I touched enough lives in a positive way that I will be remembered, you know, as, as somebody who made a difference. You know? Yeah, well said. Well, thank you again. And uh, again, we'll put all your information at yourcrom.com and uh, have a great rest of the evening. Thanks, Scott.